We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week, we're not coming to you from our home at the Las Vegas Fight Shop. We'll be back there next week, but this time around, it's Canelo versus Khan here at the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino. We're doing all the fight prep, and it's actually going to be across the street, T-Mobile Arena. First big fight over there. So, let's get back to our normal stuff. I'm Kel Dansby, in case you don't know by now. Yeah, of course. It's Andreas Hale. And we are here today to talk boxing, MMA, pro wrestling, and hip-hop. Like I said, a lot of stuff going down with Amir Khan and Canelo Alvarez. But before we get to that, Andreas was doing Andreas things. And he wrote an article comparing Drake to Hulk Hogan and just blew people's <laughs> minds. And, and there's a whole picture. Check Two Dope Boys if you haven't seen it. Like Drake just on Hulk's body ripping open a shirt. It's crazy. Go read the article. How do you even think of this? Like... I know you sat down with the album, and you said last week on a podcast, like, yo, give you a week. You had to sit down and really get into it. You played it 24 hours straight doing random stuff, and then you come up with Hulk Hogan. Well, yeah, man. I'm uh, Like this, uh, Drake's gimmick is getting old. Like when Hulk Hogan was a baby face, you knew what was coming whenever he had a match. He's going to rip his shirt off to start. He's going to get beat up a little bit. He's going to have a Hulk spot where he hulks up. He's going to hit you with a big boot, and he's going to leg drop, and he's going to pin you, and he's going to win. This is what Drake does. Drake's albums have the same themes, the same <laughs> stories. He's going to rip his shirt off of the chicks. He's going to give you that sappy love stuff. He's going to tell you how popular he is and how good he is at what he does and how he ranks against his contemporaries. He's going to have some smooth stuff. He's going to rap real hard on one track. <laughs> one track, to be exact. It's, My favorite he, track on the album. Right. And then he's going to close the album. He's going to sell a bunch of records. He's Hulk Hogan. He does the same shit. But now the, the, the stick is wearing thin. 
Views is of in the pantheon of Drake albums, Views is average. And we'll go through and kind of try to rake these uh, Drake albums in a second. But after you listen to it and everything, channel back to your olden days. If you had to give it mics, what does it get? Um, it's still a good. It's still a good album by Drake's by by regular industry standards. Yeah, okay. it's not great. It's it's a three and a half four album. Oh, that's high. I mean, probably more or less. That's to say three and a half. Because there's a lot of filler on that one. There's like there's songs like twenty I just tracks don't... was just a yeah, lot. Though. It was bloated. But you know, it, it like it felt like it was so all over the place. And I said it in my piece. I was like, he could have did like three EPs off it. He could have had your soul sample album with you know Summer's Over in the Lou with Majid Jordan. He could have did Views and Western Road Flow. like they have a similar feel, like mm-hmm. a just blaze type of soul sampling. Then he has his like dance hall shit. Yeah. And then he has. He his went love- to Jamaica and just fell in love or something. Well, you know, the, the, the Jamaican influence is heavy in Toronto. Oh, crazy so, Jamaicans in Toronto. Shout so, out. Yeah, so the dance hall influence is heavy there. But the album is just so fucking all over the place that I likened it very much to what, um, if you're reading this, it's too late, should have been. Like, that's a mixtape. This album is a mixtape. It's basically a bunch of songs that Drake has done over the course of his career. Just kind of threw them together. I was like, here you go, got an album. It's, I don't want to say it's lazy, but he needs to evolve, man. He's, he's the same guy that he was in 2009. Well, to, to me, I prefer 2009 Drake. I mean, I do too. at least then, I, I liked his sound. It, it was repetitive, and, but you knew what you were getting from him and 40, and there was a definite chemistry between them. And then now there's like too many chefs in the kitchen, kind of. He's pulled all over the place. It's just not their sound. Uh, too many ghost writers, not on the R&B tracks. Even on the R&B tracks. Before, it was like shoddy R&B when it was just him writing it. Right. And it didn't sound the greatest and he couldn't sing the greatest. But there weren't a million people in there. So I understand you, you get a bigger budget. You go out and you get some of the best writers. And R&B-wise, you know, have whoever you want write for you. But it's not necessary because he's not an R&B singer. Well, let, let's clear one thing up real quick. There was an infographic that came out that showed all these writers and producers for the album. Sample. And it's wrong. Yes. It's just flat out wrong because anybody who's sampled has a producer's credit. Correct. Has a writer's credit. Whoever is producing the has producer a has a writer's credit. Um, so people were flipping out about all these writers and they were like, oh, no. all these people ghostwrote. Like James Brown ghostwrote on the album. No, like, that's, don't be stupid. That's every album. People are just, it, it really lets you know how long it's been since people bought physical CDs and cracked open the booklets. Because if you did that as a kid or like when you used to do it for every album, you would know this, that um, shout out to Royce to 5'9", fan of the podcast, who says in one of his tracks, he's like R. Dot Montgomery, Ghost Rider. Right. And, like, and he's just like, check it. Like he's on mad credits. Because if you're literally, if you've ever been in the studio when people are making their album, if someone is sitting there and they're like, yo, you should put this word in there. They want to produce a credit. Well, no, you got to, I'll tell you exactly, I've been there. <laughs> when that happens, the split sheet comes out. And it's like, all right, sign here. And, you know, here's the splits. Like, people don't understand this process. Like, if I'm in there and I say anything to you, like, I'm getting, legally, I, yeah. I need to make cover my ass. So you're going to get a credit on the album. Mm-hmm. So people just went nuts over this list. And they were like, oh. Like, I was like, dude, seriously, James Brown is not ghostwriting for Drake. Cut no. it out. And that's why, you know, you'll go through these and you'll see PN, PND on a ton of tracks. It's not that he wrote all these songs for Drake. But if you give him a melody or a harmony, or if Drake is mumbling and you say, yo, say these words, or, hey, I don't like this at the end of that, put this over here, and that's a credit. Yeah, but Party Next Door did have some reference tracks in there, too. Oh, so. definitely. Um, but it's not like every track, like people are saying. Uh, 
And that goes for all hip hop artists. I don't know who wrote his rhymes, he wrote his rhymes, whatever it may be. And the flows itself didn't bother me. I, I liked his verses on stuff. I, I just didn't think the, the tracks matched verses perfectly. It, it's just not his sound. I would have liked a better sound, but outside of that, it's like you said, it's maybe three, three and a half for yeah, it's, me. It's a decent, like it's a decent album. Like I, I was, I'm partial to songs like Views and Western Road Flows. Other songs grew on me. I think Controller is actually going to be a big hit when he puts it out. Uh, my girl likes Controller. That's cool. It's not, you know, huge on me. I, I, I like my, it's, it's, I like my reggae, real reggae. Yeah, it's but it's a hit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's definitely. in a similar vein as Hotline Bling. When you first heard it, it was like, yeah, and then it kind of grew on you. So I see that with a lot of these songs on the album. But hype is my favorite song on the album. Hype because cool. he's just spitting. Yeah, it's, but it's just here's again my problem with Drake is. Same shit he talks about all the time. Like, he's telling me the same story he told me in 2009. I listen to Jay-Z talk about, you know, bricks in the trunk until it's 2028. I don't but there care. was more, like, there's more depth to Jay-Z. Like, Jay-Z would tell you a story. Drake doesn't even tell stories. He gives you, like, anecdotes about his life and his ex-girlfriends, and then he, get, he keeps it moving on to the next thing. Like, his songs have the same structure. Yeah. And it's not, again, this is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just after a long time, you, it's like the same. It's like Samuel Jackson playing Samuel Jackson in every movie. <laughs> While it works, eventually you're like, well, why does he even need a name in the movie? He just said they should call him Samuel Jackson in the fucking movie because he's playing the same guy. Word. Nah, so definitely, if you guys haven't checked out the review, check it out, twodopeboys.com. Uh, our pound for pound for this week, we haven't done it in like a month, but we're bringing it back. Our pound for pound for this week is top five Drake albums slash mixtapes. Uh, running down the list. So I'll go first. Um, four. Uh, Wait, so you starting at four and not five? Oh, excuse me, five. <laughs> you just leaving views at the yeah. bottom? <laughs> no, views has got to be six, though. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, take Care would be five. Thank Me Later, four. Uh, let's see. If you're reading this, it's too late. Would be three. Nothing was the same. Two. And one so far gone, which I think everyone puts so far gone as number one. I don't. I think nothing was the same was the best album. Oof. And I, I'm gonna tell you why. We're, we're, by the time you guys hear this podcast, it's going to be a list that we're coming out with on Two Dope Boys. We're actually taking the best tracks and recreating a, the perfect Drake album. Oh, with the best number article, one track, the, the, per, the best number two track. And there's so many nothing was the same songs that made the album. Wait. So you went. One for one for one for yes. one. Okay, so you can't, you didn't just mix and match no, every song. I took the best. If you go every song, so far gone gets a it, little bit better. It, I mean, so far gone is his second best pop because songs like "Successful" and "Houston Land of Vegas," "Uptown" was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Even like "Bria's Interlude," like "A Night Off with Lloyd" was crazy. Yeah, like that was dope. So far gone is my second favorite album, but. Nothing was the same. It starts off with Tuscan Leather and the furthest thing, which are it's a crazy one-two punch. Um, Dude, what else we had? Yeah, you had uh, Connect was on there. You had, I mean, it, it, everything. Was everything. <laughs> Paris Morton music, like that is Drake's most complete album. You had the language, which showed off different types of flows. Like, I'm very partial. Nothing was the same, and it and it took a while because when I first heard it, I liked it. But then after a while, I was like, yo. Aside from like three or five of my city, which is the only song I kind of don't like on the album, that song, that album is his best top to bottom album. I don't mind three or five in my city. It's not a bad song. Like nothing on. Nothing was the same as bad. And my list is very similar to yours. I, I put Take Care a little bit higher because... You like Wu-Tang Forever real quick? 
Yeah, actually, I do. All right, all right. I like Wu Tang Forever and own it because I, I actually like the sequencing of the album. That's another thing that's bad about views. The sequencing of views is terrible. Horrible. It's just it's like so it's all, all over, over the place. place. Yeah, it's come and on, man. To me, it's like one good song, two mediocre songs. One good song, two mediocre songs. But nothing blends with the other song. And I just feel like I, I lose track around track eight. I, I just, I'm like, okay, let me flip to something else. Different yeah. album. Like, well, as soon as I get to, like, Grammys and pop style, I'm like, fuck this album. Mm-hmm. And I do it every time I listen to it. Like, I got to jump to Views because Views is, like, my favorite song. But, yeah. again, there's a certain aesthetic that Drake uses that works. When he samples, like, 90s R&B or old soul shit, it, it does works. well, yeah. Or when he experiments with things that are a little bit more left, like, alternative. Like, if you go back to Marvin's Room, like, Marvin's Room was, like, more of an experimental record. Those songs work. And that didn't make any projects. No, nah. well, Marvin's Room's on. Um, is it Take Care? What's it on? Take Care. It's on the flip what, side what's of the joint very... that got cut. There was one track that got cut. Like I another smooth R and B joint. It's crazy. I mean, you know, he had joints like How About Now. Like he's got records. Yeah, but Views doesn't have the same weight that his previous projects have. Like Thank Me, Thank Me Later is a better full on project than Views. Like it's Views is just real scatterbrained. So. I'm just going to say my list is similar to yours. I don't feel like running it all down. No, but nothing, yeah, yeah. Nothing it's, was the same as my number one album. It really just, where do you rank views? It's at the and bottom. And it's either this last is, or second to last. This is the worst Drake album. But it's still better than a lot of other people's albums. So don't get it wrong. Like, people will say that. Better I'm than hating. Kanye? Yes. This is better than the new Kanye. Then T-Lop? Hell yeah. I don't like The Life of Pablo. I don't even play anything off that album. I haven't listened to the album. Ultra Light Beam? You don't play Ultra Light Beam? I like Ultra Light Beam. I gotta wake up and just feel fresh today. I like I like Ultra Light Beam. Father Stretch My Hands is the biggest <laughs> fucked off moment in the history of music. Because Father Stretch My Every Hands. Every other day you still tweet about that. I can't take like, it. Like, yo, how do you mess this shit up? Because the Metro Boomin' beat is so dope. And then he just starts talking about bleached assholes. Like mm-hmm. fucking kind of. Cuddy blessed that real quick to Man. open it up. And- Father Stretch My Hands. And it really turns me off from the rest of the album. But yeah, <laughs> Views to me is a better album than T Lab. Waves is dope. Uh, I just don't like it. Like, the, like the, the weakest moments of Drake's are similar to Kanye's when I feel like he's co-opting somebody else's sound. Like, when he's rapping with Future, I feel like those are Drake's weakest moments. Like, Grammys is just not a good song. But when he invites people into his element, he excels. Right? So, like, when he does songs like Work With Rihanna, which is originally a Party Next Door song, that works because it feels like a Drake song that Rihanna's taking part in. Yeah. When, he feel, when he's jumping in somebody else's shit sometimes, it doesn't really work. He has to own a song. You know what? I didn't. I wasn't a fan of a uh, trap Drake. You know, like super hard, tough guy Drake. But I like it better than this. Better than Jamaican Drake. Well, yeah, Jamaican Drake is a trendy Drake. Yeah, I miss emo Drake though. Emo Drake was the best. See, emo like when he talks about like spending money on phantoms and you know being robbed on the resistance of a thing. Me later, like I like y'all gotta understand. Like I'm a Drake fan. I enjoy Drake's music, and I. You told the story on the podcast before. You bringing him BET? Yes, I was there. Like, yo, you guys, and they were like, yo, Gucci man. I'm like, no, this kid Drake is amazing. Y'all need to be up on this shit. Like, I was ahead of the curve on this shit, so I'm a fan. I just don't like artists that stagnate. I like progression. Like, if Beyonce can progress and if she's been in the game forever, you have to evolve and do the same thing. That's why he had like the Drake. Uh, it might be easier for female artists to evolve than it is males. Well, I mean, shit. Joe Budden's evolved. Like he's he's not. A lot of people don't like his evolution. <laughs> you don't have to like it, but you gotta just show like yeah. Like Royce was a great example exactly. of evolving off this last project and went number one. You've got to grow up. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to try something different. You know, I don't want to just use Kendrick as an example because it's. I don't want to, but I don't want him evolve like Lil Wayne evolved. Well, no. There's different evolutions. Like then you start going into the guitars and shit. Yeah, so it's just you know you gotta you gotta talk about something else because your life has changed. And that's the other problem I had with Drake is all this stuff going on socially around you and none of it's consuming your music. None of it reflects. Like, he's not talking about anything that... He, he doesn't talk about, like, 
police brutality. Like, I'm not saying you got to be Chuck D. But damn, man, you don't reference anything but the same thing you reference. Like, you could interchange these albums and you wouldn't know what year it is. Oh, yeah, nah. I mean, his life experiences ended when he became famous, right? Yeah. Like, like now the only thing left is to be famous. It's like, yo, ex-girlfriends, I'm getting you hoes back. That's like the, the, the basic Drake album is, you broke up with me, I kind of feel bad about it, but fuck you, I'm rich. That, that sums it up. People love that shit, though. <laughs> they really do. It's like, it's hot in the streets. Um... So moving from Drake to someone else who wants to be a rapper, uh, this guy should really give it up. He needs a he needs a ghostwriter. Oh, um, Adrian Broner was on Breakfast Club this morning. One, that's one hell of a job by his publicist. That's a great spot for well, him. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I know Charlemagne's been trying to get him on the show. Like we we've talked before <laughs> about getting Broner on the show. That's yeah. that's crazy. I mean. Interesting time to get him on the show with the you know the Mayweather announcement or people think it's going to be people the Mayweather trolled. announcement, um, and it's just an interesting time. Him catching the case, he really don't know where he fits in the landscape of 140 pounds, 147. He doesn't have a fight to promote or talk about. You brought him in after a fight, so it was just odd timing to bring him on the show. And then they start talking Trump. What's wrong with you, boy? <laughs> Anybody who hasn't listened to the show, you need to go listen to it because within like the first five minutes of the show, he talks about voting for Trump because Trump's going to ch- cut his taxes and Adrian Broner's rich. He well, ain't that rich, by the way. What Broner doesn't realize is that he won't be rich forever because he, he, ref- he talks to, you know, throwing away the, the chains at Walmart. It, like, yo, he's got to get it together. Like, to vote for Trump, to even to endorse Trump, and I thought it was funny that Charlamagne was like, can you even vote? Because you're like a felon. Like, son. That's a real shit. For real. But it's like for him to say that, like, Adrian Broner is like, he's, he's lost. He's going to be on my celebrity rehab show that I've concocted in my head that will also feature, like, Chris Brown and, like, Justin Bieber. That's getting incredible ratings, by the way. Yeah, I know. But you put Justin Bieber, Adrian Broner, and Chris Brown in the same house, I just love to watch it. And probably, um... Maybe Rihanna might end up on there, but I think she's I think she's fine. But I, I've heard got to keep got, her away from C Breezy. It's all right. She's just on the ganja. Let Rihanna you know, rock. You know, recovery. She's got to be the recovery girl. Jump back, jump off. <laughs> she doesn't mind being a jump off. It's crazy. But anyway, but Broner, like between that and him, then referencing Floyd Mayweather, and I know he got asked the question, which opened up the can of worms. But yo, you are like a scoring dog. Stop talking about it. He got to talk about it. One, you try to talk yourself into the fight. He wants that money. He ain't never, He's never that getting fight. that fight. Because uh, he can't beat anyone credible enough to earn that fight. Right. But even then, if you can, try to talk your way into it. Maybe you'll catch you know, another big break, something. The more you talk, the more you're in the headlines, the better it is, I guess, if you're Adrian Broner. Because that's the only thing going for it. So Floyd moves the, he moves the needle. You got to talk, Floyd. Uh, big bro. As he says, <laughs> I just I, I don't know, man. He, he's going nowhere fast, and then he wants to be a rapper. I'm I wish he would have went on like Sway, so we could have heard the freestyle. Like I need to see Adrian Broner's skills. Um, but with Broner, it's perfect time to really just try out a new segment that I've been wanting to try out called Lyrical Knockout. Oh God! Especially for our hip hop joints, we talk about people and the state of hip hop and music. Yo, we got to start bringing up some of the crazy shit people actually say in songs. Because I don't know if people recognize some of the verses that are out here. So, I'm just going to read a couple of bars of this Broner song, right? It's called 
40, it's, I guess his song, is hit single. And I'm going to read just some of the first verse. All right. And then we need to get Andreas Hale's expert opinion on these bars. Oh, Christ. Go ahead. I'm riding dirty with the 40. I just may be a dirty 40. You got caught and told 40 stories before I <laughs> tell shit I'm doing 40. Now, that's real life experience. Are you feeling these bars from AB? No. He said he's doing 40 if he gets caught. He might actually do 40. Well, shit, when life imitates art, this isn't art, though. This is trash. <laughs> uh, his girl's rollie cost me 40 racks. 5K on my pinky that cost me 40 flat. They see the 40 and start running track. Swear to God, he ran a 4-4 and a 40 flat. Hot Yo, fire, son. This is, this is, this is like Jay-Z... Next level. This is trash. Like, yo, <laughs> just because you're an athlete doesn't give you the license to rap. I feel like some people need to go to rap, rapping school to get a license. Okay, first off, I don't know how it came off in the song, but reading it on paper, it could be a worse four bars than that. Of course it could be worse, but that doesn't make it better. That doesn't mean you should do it. This is how he finished off the verse. 40 licks, that's 40 bricks. They gave my uncle 46 for 40 bricks. That's same same word, right? Yeah, yeah. And he went in when he was forty. Now he's coming home twenty forty. So his uncle was arrested in year two thousand. If you keep count, this is bad, Joe. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> Floyd Mayweather was right. Like, focus on boxing. Get your ass out of the booth. Rick Ross got a verse on this. Well, I mean, you can pay anybody to get a verse. I mean, shit. Anyway, like, <laughs> listen. Athletes, athletes just shouldn't run. Unless you're like Shaq, because Shaq could actually run. Yo, Shaq had some bars. But everybody what about else? that Kobe track? We got to do the Kobe Yo, track from one of these. We had, when I worked at the hip-hop site, we used to keep the Kobe, the vinyl, the picture of Kobe <laughs> where he like, looks like he's crying. Yeah. And it, like he has Tyra Banks on the hook, and he's got a song with 50 Cent. Like, have you looked at this vinyl before? No. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And we used to like draw tears on it. What shit. year was that? He had like 50? Like... No, it was had to be like, it was like 2000. Okay, he had at least aftermath. Yeah, this this was no, he didn't. This was well, this was like early fifty. This is like mixtape fifty. Okay, I'm pretty sure it was fifty, but it was yo, it was so bad. But he had Tyra Banks on the song (laughs) K O B E, and you hear Tyra Banks singing K O B E. It's so fucking bad. (laughs) Like yo, some of you guys just stick to your sports. Cut this shit out. Yo, we're gonna so we're gonna bring up this lyrical knockout segment from time to time. Just when people say stuff is hot. Like, this would have been great for the Kendrick Lamar debate. Like, just to break down a random verse. Ugh. And be like, yo, is this dope to you? Like, is anything quotable here? Because I could literally bring up a Lupe verse and just be amazed by it. Just by reading. Yeah. That's, that's what writing is about. When I read, like, I like to be impressed with what I read. Now, if you could Broner say... didn't do that for you. Bro. No, of course okay. not. Like, I don't... Like, he probably... See, people like him say things like, I don't even write my rhymes. I can fucking tell. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can, I can tell you don't write this because it's terrible. Step into booth. I'm here. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Man. Yeah. This, makes, this upsets me. <laughs> We're about to move on to more boxing. But just so you have something to do when you go home, you got to look up this freestyle by that kid who made Panda. Designer? Designer. On Tim Westwood. Yes. Yeah. It's the worst freestyle I've ever seen in my life. Yo. I, I couldn't believe my face melted when I saw this. This is almost like designer's almost a living troll job. He's got a number one record s- solo before Future Day. He has the same song <laughs> on the Billboard Hot 100 twice because he's got designer and he's got designer part two that ends up on Kanye's album with Kanye just auto tuning in the background. Number 56 and number one. It's crazy. 
And Future's just sitting there with his hands up like, like yo, the fuck? believe this shit? You just stole my style. Future can kind of rhyme, too. Like, if Future had to freestyle, he'd be okay. I don't know about that, but... It'd be better than this kid. I mean, I'm just saying, designer co-opt his entire life. And he's getting paid more than Future. Like, every, <laughs> like yo, Shaq came out to Panda at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, is that real? Panda. <laughs> Panda. Oh, man. All right, let's keep talking boxing. Real boxing. Uh, <laughs> real boxing, not that bullshit Adrian Broner's doing. Anthony Joshua just got signed by Showtime. Uh, people here at HBO are kind of not commenting on it. They're not, because they, they wanted to crack at him. Everybody yeah, exactly. wants everybody him. wanted him. But uh, signed with Showtime, big deal for them. If you guys don't know who Anthony Joshua is, he is the IBF heavyweight champion. Uh, young kid, Olympian. Gold yep. medalist yep. from the UK. He's a star out there. Show, sold out their arena, the O2, in like three minutes or something for his last fight. Uh, we just don't know about him yet here in the States, but he's a heavyweight. Looks the part. Looks like Cam Newton in the ring. And everything says that he's going to be a star for Showtime. How do they mess that up? I mean, this is impossible to mess up in, in the sense that he's got the look. and he's, he's undefeated with all knockouts. And the heavyweight division is relatively thin, so it's wide open for him to crack into. Now you just got to market him to an American audience, which is why I came with a brilliant idea. Okay, look. <laughs> I'm just going to say, like, the dude is, look, looks like he's a bodybuilder. And he looks like he should be in somebody's video. So why not put him in a Beyonce video so the women can fall over Anthony Joshua, get his cloud up, and then him have him fight? Then there'll be all chicks in the arena. You're trying to give him the beehive push. Yes, if he, if he, oh, if he got that push, because... Whatever Beyonce does. Just shirtless, Beyonce rubbing on his six-pack. That's it. And, you know, like, people be like, Like Jay-Z, I'm cheating now. Exactly. Like, oh, she's Becky. He's Becky with the good hair. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if you want to market to an American mainstream audience, (laughs) Beyonce's, like, the goddess. Like, she's maybe God. She's maybe bigger than God. Like, she's huge. She's the biggest She definitely has more Google hits than God. True. Yeah. You're right. So, why not? put him in there like i mean granted that means rock nation would probably want to want to sign him before giving him free pub but i'm just Rihanna's saying. available somebody will take him for hey, the video the dude he's got the look he's got the style so diehard fight fans we can appreciate it. he's an olympic gold medalist for christ's sake the kick and fight now we just got to market him to a mainstream audience and, and get americans involved and everybody wants to watch him this is how you do it a beyonce music video and then like a calvin klein underwear or abercrombie and fitch or some shit like that <laughs> and then you're good they need to cut the check for you to do uh, all the promotions hey, for Anthony man. Joshua. I'm here. <laughs> consulting fees. I want to cut my check. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just happy that, you know, with the Showtime deal comes the possibility of him fighting Deontay Wilder down the line. I- I'm already starting the bandwagon for it. It's going to be no different than this Canelo Triple G stuff where after two fights, that's going to be all the questions he hears. Yeah. Because now it's a possibility. PBC with their tight relationship over there, they need a pay-per-view for a heavyweight. Deontay Wilder's not bringing in those pay-per-view revenues anytime soon by himself. Uh, Joshua, maybe, because the UK people will fly out. And uh, When do you take him away from the UK? That's another thing. Well, you need a you viable... You start now. Yeah, like, it, it took a while for Amir Khan to get that, have that impact in the state. So you got to start working with Joshua now to get him over here. He's already big over there. And big over there... He sold big. it out in three minutes. Right. So he's big there, but it doesn't translate to pay-per-views here. And pay-per-view buy and gate buys are what's going to drive everything here. So he's, he's got to start getting acclimated, fighting on a Canelo undercard, perhaps. Like he's got to – well, it won't be because it's HBO. HBO yeah, but but uh, there, there's somebody. PBC has enough shows. Yeah, there's somebody he can fight on the undercard mm-hmm. and start getting exposure. Because he's fighting on Showtime. He's fighting Dominic Brazil, who he's going to kill. And But it, 
I don't think enough people are gonna watch that fight. So we'll see. I mean, the heavyweight division needs an adrenaline boost right now, and it looks like it's getting one, even though Tyson Fury is teasing that he's gonna retire after the Klitschko fight. But that'd be the anyway. biggest punk move ever. Because hey. Wilder, Heavy, and, and Joshua really are coming for his head. They'll both knock him out. True. So if you want to go out on top, big us. But that's a punk move. Um, moving on from that to the fight we're actually at, Canelo versus Khan. Big fight week. Yep, here at the MGM for the fight week across the street, T-Mobile Arena, for the fight itself. It's the first big fight over there. Uh, my first fight over there. My first event there. Yeah, I haven't done nothing over there. Yeah, so it's going to be dope to see the arena, see uh, the park in front of it. There's all the bars and you know food and everything else. It's going to be kind of a full spectacle over there. Are you excited for the new venue, for the fight? How do you just feel about fight week? Because we, we were here for Canelo versus Cotto. This feels at least better than that. Um, this, you, nobody's gonna convince me that this fight's gonna be competitive. Like they've been trying to, they've been doing a hell of a job saying, "Yo, this is gonna be competitive." No, this should be a one-sided demolition. This is what it should be. Granted, it could, it may change. It could be an actually competitive fight. In terms of excitement, I'm like, eh. We just haven't had a fight in Vegas, a big boxing match in Vegas in a long time. <laughs> We're just so suffering from withdrawals? Yeah, so I'm just like, you know, you give me a cracker and I haven't eaten a cracker. I haven't eaten any food and you give me a cracker. It's the best cracker I've ever had. That's what Eddie Murphy said. So this is going to be the best fight we've had. I don't, just don't know what that means. The undercard is not bad either. You got no. a Mew on there. You got Glenn Tappy. Some British fans came out for it. Yeah. I mean, this in terms of an event, this should be a good event. I just don't know if it's going to be a good fight. That's all. Yeah, that's that's rough. I mean, the undercard is solid. They did a great job with the undercard. At least getting some names people recognize. Should be Stevens, exciting. Yeah, I mean, Stevens gonna come out and throw punches. Mauricio Herrera, who's always competitive and always, always getting the shaft when he goes to the decision. <laughs> but uh, Lemieux is on this card. It's, yeah. it's not bad. You know, good build up. You get your money's worth pay per view wise. Yeah, should make the time go by fast when we're in the arena. And then Canelo Khan, even if it's a you know, annihilation, like many people predict, or if Khan can actually run, maybe it's boring. Maybe, you know, does what Lara does, and people, you know, just aren't excited, happy about the fight. And if he tries to do what Lara does, he's just going to end up with the same result, by the way. Well, here's what I'll say. Because you have to beat Canelo. Well, here's what I'll say about Amir Khan. Amir Khan's never in a bad fight. I've never watched an Amir Khan fight and was like, this is boring. He comes to fight. He doesn't get a lot of credit because he'll fight anybody. Like, he'll literally fight anybody. So people say his, you know, he's got a glass jaw. I think it's more about he, he. There's something about him where he's in the middle of a fight and he's doing well, and he just has a fucking brain fart <laughs> and he gets hit. You go back and you watch the fight with Danny Garcia. He's beating the shit out of Danny. He's doing fine because the length, the length was too crazy for him. But he's got fast hands. He's got good footwork. He does a lot of things well. But then he just has a lapse in judgment somewhere and he gets caught. Against Bradis Prescott, he just walked out there and got caught cold. Against Lamont Peterson, got busted for PEDs after the fight. I thought he won the fight with Lamont Peters. Does that still count as a loss for him? Yeah. They announced him and three today. Yeah, he still it still counts as a loss. I don't understand that. It's DC, whatever. <laughs> but um, so his losses are things that could have been rectified if he would have stayed focused. He should have never lost to Bradis Prescott. He should have never lost to Danny Garcia. He should have gave him an L that night. But he loses focus. Now, granted, he gets caught like in every fight. My biggest issue with American is the weight. And the fact that he gets tagged a lot. And he got yeah. he got hit by Chris Algieri, who got ran over by Errol Spence. And now you mean to tell me that this guy is going to be competitive against Amir Khan? I don't think so. I mean, Canelo Alvarez, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, Canelo, uh, the, just the body punches, like, that's going to wear Khan down. Yo. So even if you can run, you're not running for long. Okay, so we had a roundtable today, and Amir Khan says, I don't think I can hurt Canelo. 
A man who says that is dead serious. But he's right. No, he he's self-aware. He's very self-aware, but that's and, a scary thing to, to... And let you know what he's going to... He's not coming in here to hurt Canelo. He he's coming in here to pepper him with punches and try to steal the rounds. Like, but all that does is means Canelo knows that, you're, that my opponent doesn't believe in his punching power. So, here's Canelo's throw. Canelo is... He'll, he'll walk him down, but he's not good at cutting off the ring. He's not nearly as good as Triple G is cutting off the ring. So, Canelo's going to be chasing after him. But I think Khan's going to make a mistake, stand and trade. He's going to get caught. And that's going to be his demise. Good night. I think it should be early. Because I think what's going to happen is, you know, Khan's not going to try to waste time making a statement. And in making that statement, he's not going to realize how hard Canelo hits. Plus, Canelo's going to be like a light heavyweight by the time they get to the ring. Easy. 175, easy. Uh... Yeah, it's 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 rough. I don't see how Khan can win. I'm officially predicting Canelo to win. I'll give it tenth round stoppage. So, what are you going with? I, I'm I'm thinking like seven. I don't think this lasts very long. It lasts as long as Amir Khan chooses to engage. Okay. If he gets on his bike, it could go ten. But I just Amir Khan's just not that guy. He likes to fight. He likes to engage. And whether that results in him winning or getting hurt or getting killed, and in this case, I think he'll get killed. He likes to play in traffic, and that's what he's doing on Saturday night. He's playing in traffic. Hypothetically, if Amir Khan wins, what's next for him? Oh, the Triple G? Well, I asked him that today. You know, I, I, I specifically asked him if he, if he planned on defending the WBC lineal and uh, Ring Magazine wealth, middleweight titles, and he didn't shy away from it. He didn't necessarily say, I'm going to do it. He says he needs to see how he feels at the weight. I understand that. I respect that. He, he's, he's making it very clear that he runs from no man. But there is concern, like, fighting a Triple G, that's a dangerous fight. Definitely. So, he could go there. He could fight Kell Brook. He just never seems like he wants to fight Kell Brook. Just put Kell Brook down today. Like, like, like look at him. his last five fights. Look at mine. It's like, yeah, he's doing a bunch of mandatories, but he is a champion. Like, eventually, you kind of want a belt, right? Well, or, I guess, belts mean nothing. Like, when I asked him which fight is more appealing, he just kind of kicked Kell Brook to the curb. Like, it wasn't Easy. even worth it. But, he, you know, Kell Brook did beat Sean Porter. Although it was an ugly fight and Kell Brook did a lot of holding, he did beat Sean Porter. So, with that being said, I'm just, I think the world opens up for Amir Khan, but everybody else's doors close. Because I don't know where Canelo goes. I don't know where Triple G goes. Like, maybe Manny Pacquiao was looking for a dance partner in Amir Khan. I don't know where anybody goes if Amir Khan wins. Uh, I mean, his doors open. Everyone else kind of is on standby. Yeah, everybody's like Waiting shit. for him to lose. Now, if Canelo wins, everybody's still on standby. Canelo doesn't have his choice of everyone because it seems like he's fought the people he wants to fight. So it's either all rematches or Triple G, and it's not going to be Triple G. Like, all right, can we can we go ahead and tell the story of how Bernard Hopkins tried to call me out today? I don't even want to tell the story. You can do it. Shots fired. So Bernard Hopkins does an impromptu media session right after Canelo Alvarez walks away. Someone like Bernard's about to walk into the press conference. Someone taps him on the shoulder and they say, Bernard, you went up in weight and you fought and you made concessions and you've gone down in weight to fight fighters. Why aren't they doing it? Why isn't Canelo fighting Triple G? This started it all. And if you guys have ever heard Bernard Hopkins talk, the man just goes off on a tangent. He redefines long-winded. And... The first thing he brings up is the question by no one else but the man sitting next to me, Andreas Hill. Your question 
to Canelo was, what does Triple G have to do to earn the fight with you? And this is after Canelo said... I said, who does he have to fight? Who does he have to fight? Because Canelo says, you know what? He hasn't fought anyone yet. This is why he doesn't have a fight with me. If he... If it was all about money, I would fight him. Because that's the biggest fight for me. It's what everyone wants to see. If it was about money, I would fight him. He hasn't earned the right to fight me yet. You said... So who does he have to fight? Canelo did not answer this question. He fucking avoided it. There was no answer for this question. You asked a question where there's no answer to the question. And then Bernard Hopkins did not take kindly to you asking that question. And just went off on the crazy rant that it's not Canelo's job. One, to book fights. He is the fighter. And it is Triple G's fault for not fighting someone. And this is where you just blew your lid. He was like, you know what? We got time. Canelo's not going to fight him anytime soon. He said, Kovalev is just chilling there, waiting for Andre Ward. How about Kovalev and Triple G, since they're both waiting on other people, just meet somewhere in the middle and fight each other? Just completely jeopardizing their two big paydays. Well, I mean, they'd still go on to fight those guys, but you don't want to beat the hell out of each other first. It's not the best way to go about your biggest title fights. And he wants Triple G to move from 160 up to, let's say, 168. <laughs> Kovalev to move down to 175. And then and then he proposed this as like, you know what? Let them both have a tune-up fight and then fight each other. And then he wants them right after beating each other up to split. And then Triple G can fight Canelo, which so happens to be the fighter that he's representing. And then Kovalev can move up and fight Andre Ward. It's like, you don't want to fight those guys off of cupcake fights. So you want to have those, the two biggest punchers in boxing, fight each other at uncomfortable weights. And then their next fight, their very next fight, fight world champions. And Triple G would have to come down from 168, down to 155, because Canelo still ain't budging. And Kovalev's still not a big enough name, because Canelo has Mayweather on his resume, and it's the Trump card. This was the biggest. I respect Bernard Hopkins as, a, as an individual. I've interviewed him multiple times over the year, but this was the biggest crock of bullshit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> to suggest that, because for, for him to not like the fact that I asked Canelo who does he have to fight, Canelo opened that door himself. And shout out to Dan Raphael for ESPN who came to my defense, because he was the first one. I was like, hey, like, that's, he's like, Canelo's the one who asked the goddamn, like, he put it out there. Dan brought up that they had the contract sign. Yo, Dan Bernard didn't care. Yeah, Bernard did not care about logic. Yo, there was no logic, but I feel like I'm well within my rights. If I ask a fighter, if you're going to continuously say he hasn't fought anybody, will you tell me, as a, as a journalist, who does he have to fight? We'll write it, and then Triple G will have to deal with it. But if you don't give me a name, that's your fucking fault. Because if you want to now be the promoter and the matchmaker, you got to do your job. And I'm well within my rights to ask you that question. He could have said Lara. He could That's have what I'm saying. Like, why didn't he say you're a Sonny Lara? If I, you know what? Fight some of the people Canelo's already fought. That's all you had to say. Like, what? Like, why was this so hard? Such a difficult thing for both Bernard and Canelo to understand. All it basically says is, we don't want to fight Triple G. And we're not going to do it. Pretty much. And, and uh, <laughs> granted, I get the business portion and Canelo's the A-side. He's come from the school of Mayweather where he wants to pick his weight and everything else. But he's not Floyd Mayweather. No one's Floyd. And that's what people don't understand. But it's like when Jordan left. It's the Jordan rules. Now we have the Mayweather rules. And everyone thinks they're on that level. Canelo is number one in the sport of boxing as far as star. It's star right now. 
But his number one isn't Floyd's number one. Not even close. They're on two different levels. So you cannot demand things the same way Floyd demanded them. And guess what? If Floyd unretires tomorrow, you go right back down to number two. Because you're not the man yet. No. And you can't walk around acting like the man. And to be the man, you got to beat the man. Woo! <laughs> I mean, and furthermore, who is Canelo for? Leading up to the Floyd Mayweather fight. He fought Austin Trout. And then who else? Mosley. A washed up Shane Mosley. Uh, Kermit Cintron. Cintron, which people for some reason loved on his resume on my was, Twitter. Kermit was trash. After, when he got, when Canelo, see, when you fight certain fighters at a certain point in their career, they're trash. Fighting Shane, like, it, the name is bigger than the actual athlete in the ring. Austin Trout was his most difficult opponent. Some people thought he lost Austin Trout. Did that earn him a Mayweather fight? In, in necessarily? No. Oscar talked him into the Mayweather fight. So, my thing is, with Triple G, if he's not, like, my biggest issue uh, is... Josecito Lopez an undersized, was a KO. An undersized, coming up from 140. 140, Josecito Lopez. My biggest problem with Cano is that you hold the middleweight titles. You cannot continue to be a 160-pound champion fighting at 155 pounds, 154 pounds. Fight at the limit. Amir Khan said it himself. I don't respect that. Like, if you're going to win the title at that weight limit, fight at that fucking weight. It makes no sense because he's not a small 160. The son of a bitch is a light heavyweight. <laughs> he's bigger than Triple G on fight night. Yo, he could, yeah, like, there's no problem in fighting that weight. It's really just all in his head. And I understand the advantages it gave Mayweather dictating the weight. I don't know what advantage it gives him against Triple G. Because Triple G theoretically would have an easier cut still. Like, the cut's not that hard for Triple G. If he wanted to do it and the money was right and it's the only fight left for him and he's confident that he's winning, he could make 55. He just shouldn't have to. Hopkins was talking when he had to fight De La Hoya. And he was like, you know what? They wanted 158. So I cut down to 157. You know what? If they walked in with 158, I think Triple G signs. Right. Like, I mean, you're asking him to shave five pounds. Like, five like, pounds. And Bernard's the first one to say five pounds is a big deal. No shit. So why should the middleweight champion fight for a middleweight title yeah. at five pounds less? Now, granted, he said, yes, I fought Oscar De La Hoya. But Oscar, didn't hold, Oscar didn't hold a middleweight title at the time. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's double standards. Bernard's two doing Two pounds it. left. Yeah. Like, if, if Oscar would have came in and said 155, Bernard would have told him, get the hell out of here. Yeah, Bernard, Bernard is speaking out of his ass. And granted... Like I said, he's done everything he's done. He's defied the odds numerous times. I, I just, no. Just just a whole lot. Of, and, the, and the bigger issue here is, as long as Triple G keeps winning, people are going to push Canelo to take the Triple G fight. People aren't really pushing Triple D to move down to fight Canelo. No, but every question Canelo gets is Triple G. And people are trying to be nice about it now and not wear on him, but they, they can't avoid asking him. And if he wins on Saturday, like many expect, he's going to answer his first question about how do you feel in a fight, congratulations. And then his second question is going to be, are you fighting Triple G? Yeah, and don't let him come into the ring weighing, weighing 178 pounds and just annihilating Amir Khan. Because then all it's going to be is people going to say, why isn't he fighting Triple G? That's the question. Why, why not? And deservingly so. And he can't run from it forever. And you can see he was like, you know, he was asked about his fighting weight. And he was like, you know, you walk around at 170, 175. Uh, why do you fight at 154? Because that's my fighting weight. No, motherfucker, you're big. Yeah, like that's not your fighting weight. It is what it is. That's your cutting weight. I, I think Canelo's a good fighter. I, I get concerned about this whole um, Julio Cesar Chavez thing, which I call, what I call it is like Chavez was fighting little guys, and he was just big as hell. So he's just watching people. When he got in there with somebody he could fight, he lost. Now, granted, 
Canelo's not nearly as bad as I thought. Travis, I thought, was trash. I've always thought Travis was just a trash <laughs> fighter. Canelo's a good fighter, and he's still evolving. But I think he's doing himself no favors at this point because he's running out of people to fight. If you look around, yeah. there's not too many people left for him to fight. What's going to do, fight Cotto again this, this September? Unless someone moves up from 147, I don't see it. Yeah, who's that going to be? I don't know. Because there's um, no real names left unless it's Manny Pacquiao and Canelo out. You know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to talk Timothy Bradley into moving up. He's got to win a fight. I don't think so. I uh, mean, he doesn't have to win a fight. Yeah, I, I know what you're the saying. The name but... recognition to just come and lose is, is perfectly fine. Yeah, but Tim Bradley don't draw flies and shit, so it's like it, it's tough. Because you still want to have – like you're still trying to I, prove HBO something. side is thin, man. It's, thin. Tough, it's tough sledding, man. So it's like the, the, the public demand is going to be for Triple G. I just don't think it's happening this year. And I just wish they stopped bullshitting us. Just say, we're not ready. Just, yeah. just say that. Say we're not ready. Year. That's all. So let's take a quick break. we got to come back. We're going to talk UFC. It's a quick preview of this weekend's fights. And then get into some WWE stuff before we leave you guys for the week. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're back from the break. Once again, we are here at the MGM Grand Media Room from Canelo versus Khan Fight Week. Uh, man, it, it's it's not bad. There's a nice amount of media here. More hype around it than I thought, but, you know, media from Mexico, Britain, and then you add us, the usuals, and it'll give you that kind of fight feel. Yeah. So yeah. the international crowd definitely showed up. Let's talk about UFC because we have a good couple of weeks coming up yeah. from outside of the U.S. They're giving us a break. For a quick second, uh, until yeah, you know, until a holiday weekend. Um, this weekend, we have a Sunday fight. Wait, before we get into that, because I just thought about it. Um, hey, we got to say something about Jordan Parsons passing from Bellator. Oh, definitely. Uh, um, the hit and run. Uh, he passed away this morning. Scott Coker released a statement. Sad to see a fighter, and you know, he's 25 years old, a young kid, and a hit and run passed away. The MMA community's lost somebody, so. Um, it sucks. Prayers go out to his family. Hopefully, they can pull through on this as a unit because that taking somebody away that young in their life is just sad all the way around. So much still ahead of them. Um, it, it's sad all around, man. Yeah. Hopefully, they find the person who did the hit and run. I haven't heard an update on that yet. They but, have the mirror. That's all I know. Uh, you know, if anyone saw anything, hopefully they come forward because that's just senseless. Like, it. They couldn't prove who was at fault. And all this stuff, you know, just stay on the scene. Yeah. That, that's it. Like, it is what it is. Own up to what you did. It's a scary thing now, not only that they've lost someone and someone, you know, with so much potential in their family, they don't know why yeah. or who did it. And there's so many unanswered questions. So that uh, that really sucks. So, yeah, yeah, so definitely. So, prayers out to his family. So, yeah, we're looking at UFC Fight Night 87, Overeem versus Arlovsky this weekend. Um, so, it's an interesting card. Uh, you've got. Arlovsky and Overeem, of course. You got Stefan Struve and, and Bigfoot Silva. Uh, Gunnar Nelson and Tumanov, which is actually quite the interesting fight. Good fight. Uh, I don't know how Gunny's going to do, though. A lot of distractions in that camp with Connor and everything yeah. else. So I, I don't know if he's had a really good concentrated camp 
to prepare for a fighter that's that's good in two yeah no very very tough i mean it's, it's a good card from top to bottom um overeem's got to show me something here and arlovsky's actually the perfect person to show him show me something against arlovsky's gonna stand and bang with him yep Overeem seems like he's he's hit a stride after knocking out Junior Dos but Santos. But he still got the glass jaw. Still got a glass jaw. He can still get hit. And Arlovsky has a glass jaw too. Correct. Somebody's <laughs> going down. If this goes a distance, I would be surprised. I'm not going to wager anything stupid because I thought about saying like I do something dumb if this fight goes a distance. But stranger things have happened in MMA. So if you guys have been listening to the podcast, uh, around January, uh, like third week of January, Andreas came back from a cruise. Uh, on that cruise, he had an unlimited bar he came back he said no more drinking for the year yep if this goes all five rounds i shall be buying andreas a shot and he will drink it on next week's podcast and break his oath and pact no man i'm why would you put my health on the line i'm just letting and letting people know this is ridiculous i just don't see it going that far he will have a shot of uh fireball because fireball is delicious that is the drink of choice around the podcast when we record in the planet Hollywood. So if you guys are ever there for, you know, a podcast and here to chill with us or watch us do our thing in the Las Vegas fight shop, we always have Fireball on deck. Yeah, Fireballs are delicious, though. That's, that's, like, easy. Like, you would need to, like, if you gave me a shot of Goldslogger, I'd punch you in the face. Okay, listen, I'm not trying to get you drunk. Uh, I respect the fact that you're not <laughs> drinking. I'm just going to give you a shot. Like, if we wanted to get drunk, I'd give you a shot of 151. But then again, you're an old man. I still don't want, like, your wife to be like, oh, why'd Kel make you all sick? You come home throwing up, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, trying to. I'm looking out for the health of my fellow podcaster. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I just don't see that fight going the distance. Um, so it's not. You're safe. Yeah, I think I'm pretty safe. Like there's, there's just no way that these two guys, who look to knock people out and get knocked out, are gonna go that far. So I'm picking over him by knockout. And it's not going to the ground. No, and if it does, I'll be like, what the hell are you guys doing? Down there? They <laughs> look. Your ass up. Both of them look really confused on the ground. <laughs> uh, Bigfoot Silva, Stefan Struve. Uh, Silva looks washed. I'll give it to Struve. Struve needs a win. He's struggled against top 10 competition. He doesn't yeah. beat anybody there. 6'11". It's just not built for him, really. No, and it's like, I, I just don't know how Struve wins. Like, I, I think he could win. I just don't know how. I think Bigfoot might catch him and put him to sleep. Oh, that'd be ugly. I, I think he catches Bigfoot with a kick. Kick to the dome piece. Down goes Bigfoot. Even though Bigfoot is tough. Yeah, definitely. He's been in some wars, but I, I don't know. I, I think he can definitely lose that fight. And then after that, we have Gunnar Nelson versus Tumanov. I, I think Tumanov was going to get it. Too many distractions for Gunny on this camp. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think Tumanov is actually a better fighter. Um, Tumanov is very complete. His, his wrestling is good. His striking is good. His takedown. I just think he's got the complete package. And, uh, yeah, the, the distractions could be a distraction. I don't know if Kavanaugh's got them all in check or not, but I'm picking Tumanov. Um, Tumanov is just that guy that's racing up that, that ladder in the welterweight division. All right. Well, the rest of you know that UFC card is going to be entertaining, but we don't really have to cover it today on the fight next week we'll have more ufc coverage as we get closer to ufc 198 in brazil yeah. which is stacked and that, card. that's gonna be a great card uh let's talk about payback we had wwe and it was all wrestling man look payback with with extreme rules right behind it like it was a good it was a good card um first things first that enzo amori injury was scary oh super scary man uh I, it ended up being just a concussion, but I thought it was way worse. I was, you know, just there hoping it wasn't anything like, uh, I, I thought the worst, like stone cold neck injury, you know, vertebrae surgery out for a long time. And that would have been horrible because they were just 
getting going. I mean, the craziest part watching is like he got knocked out. I think I, I, I didn't watch until later that night. But uh, Marcus Vandenberg texted me and said, I think Enzo's hurt. So I was expecting him to be injured. But then I saw it. And when the camera kind of pans down to Enzo's eyes and he's not blinking when his eyes are wide open, he's knocked out. I was like, oh, shit. This is bad. Yeah. Grant, good thing he's, you know, the concussion is just concussion. He'll have to go through the battery of tests to see if he can get cleared. So who knows when he'll come back. I I doubt we see him at this next pay-per-view. But we'll we'll probably see him here in Vegas. Money in the bank. may see him in Vegas, but... uh, you know, it took the wind out. But, you know, right after that, uh, for other people, because it's funny, I got a text that he was okay. So I wasn't really worried about it. I know people were a little concerned at going into the Owen-Zane match. But I was like, this is the perfect pick-me-up. Because these two guys had a hell of a match, and it ended exactly as I thought it would, with Kevin Owens winning clean. I thought so, too. Run. Yeah, and that's, it was a great match. Though. It was good. It, was, it wasn't their best. I mean, far from that, but it sets the stage for more violent things I was to I'd say, that's unfair to judge it. As of course. If they could do a lot of other shit yeah, when but, they were in ROH. But it's a perfect table setter for Correct. their feud. Even though I think it's kind of weird that they'll be moving into this four-way, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And then they'll kind of split off and do it again, which I'm assuming one of them will grab the title and have to fight at Money in the Bank. But Kevin Owens was so good. In the match, and then he hits the commentary booth, and he's even, and he's better. even better. <laughs> I was, I tweeted that I was like, "Yo, I don't know what was better, Owens on commentary or Owens in the match." And they were both amazing. Uh, Kevin Owens is the best person in WWE right now. If I say it all the time, if there's a power rankings, he's number one. Just talking, wrestling skills, the bullfrog splash is incredible. Commentary every week, he's carrying the show. His bits with Stephanie. Yeah, I mean, just going back and forth. He is amazing. Like, when he expresses in the video package that he's the victim in the Sami Zayn feud, I was like, oh, he's he's just that good. <laughs> he's genius. Uh, man, it, he just generates heat so easy. Yeah. For, for someone, like, you love his wrestling skills and you can recognize what he brings and everything, and still he's just an asshole. And you just can't deny it. Like, he's just that natural heel. You can't teach that. No. he. I mean, and then he's just a great wrestler. Great personality. He's excellent on commentary. Way better than Kalisa was on Raw, which we'll talk about later. He's dreadful <laughs> on commentary. But, yeah, he's he's just a complete package. And he was, like, my MVP of the night. Oh, definitely. Um, we have The Miz versus Cesaro. That's the match he did commentary for. And that was actually a really good match as well. I, I didn't mind that. The Miz did his thing. Cesaro showed out. His moveset is still crazy. All the uppercuts, the, the spinning uppercut off of the middle rope, the springboard one. Um, he killed it again on Raw. Cesaro can just plain out wrestle. But I'm not sure where I stand on the breakaway suit. I need one of those. <laughs> like, if I could have that for the for the UFC events and just cover a full UFC event, Dana walks away from the podium, I'm like, all right, yo, it's time to party. Like, just breakaway suit into some shorts and a wrestling tee. And we hit the ball. Yeah. Cesaro starting a trend. He's, um, Cesaro, yeah, I mean, it's all about wrestling with Cesaro. All the extracurricular talking and breakaway suits and James Bond themes. They're trying. It's unnecessary, but I guess it keeps people engaged somehow. They try to repackage him. Hey, I, I think, I mean, he's probably, in terms of in-ring ability, he's probably one, he's one of the best, certainly. Uh, Mike skills, whatever. I, I get over it, but. It was a good match, and Miz with Marius in his corner. I mean, it works. Like this whole Zane thing coming out was great. Oh yeah, him like, and Owens like battling on the side, and then like carrying into the ring. It, it was a great story being told, setting up a great four way, and what is really a short build up to the next pay per view. 
Yeah, yeah. It, we, like we're it, it's again, it's a perfect table setter. It feels like when the WWE just has to react and do shit rather than think overthink it, like WrestleMania, things get are better. They do fine. So and now they're finally using the talent. I don't mind the you know Stephanie versus Shane Angle, even though I thought that was a big waste of time. At, yeah. You know, at the pay per view, but maybe it wasn't supposed to go that long, and the Enzo injury cut that match short. Perhaps. So Vince was like, "Yo, we got to fill time." Yeah, it's very possible. Um, but even then, it's like, okay, cool. They're both running it. They're both around longer. It's going to end up with one of them walking away or both, which I'm definitely fine with. Uh, we had Ambrose versus Jericho. Uh, I I didn't care for the match. Oh man, Jericho. He I doesn't do it for I me. I didn't care for the feud. I don't care. I didn't uh, care anything about the like, match. Was better than I thought, even though I don't like old man Jericho. Yeah, it's, it's. I don't know why they're doing it again in three weeks. They, I mean, this feud is dry. Yeah. It's just, but the, what sucks is when you look at the rest of the roster. There's really nobody else for Ambrose to feud with. Until some of these people start coming back, like him versus Orton, him versus uh, Bray, him versus even Seth. Like those are his feuds. Yeah, like they somebody needs to come back to help this out. Yeah, Jericho just it's Jericho's just, gonna disappear as soon as the injuries. Start yeah, going away. I, I, whatever. I, I was like, that match, I don't even know what I did. Worst I really match on it. the card, Charlotte and Ric Flair versus Natalia and Bret Hart. Okay, let's get this out of the way. Chicago screw job. Trademark it. Why do we, like, why is it, hey, Brett, we're going to rub the Montreal screw job in your face again. Like, like, yo, Brett, come back. Oh, and by the way, we're going to recreate the Montreal screw job. Again. And then, <laughs> and then for you to get your comeuppance, we're going to allow you to sharpshoot a Ric Flair. And take like three hours to do it, cause like you know. Oh, it was the slow turn. It, like I mean, but when like, he sunk it in, I marked out. I mean, I like to see it. And granted, you know, considering the fact that he's, you know, had cancer surgery, like prostate surgery, and all that, it was great to see him out there. But the match itself was just kind of underwhelming. Um, yeah, it wasn't a great match. It wasn't, you know, what her and Becky could have done or her and Sasha could have done. Just match quality wise, it wasn't great. Yeah, and I mean, they're gonna do it again in the submission match, which we'll talk about Raw in a second, but. Whatever. Like Whatever. the finish was the finish was lame. Oh, it was yeah. a lame ass finish. And then we have Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles. This match, I mean, good lord. It, get, Best Roman Reigns match. I mean, definitely top three if you don't agree with me. But I, to me, singles match. Yeah, singles yeah. match. Singles, singles match. match. I mean, AJ not Styles. being carried by Seth and yeah. Dean. I mean, AJ made him look like a million bucks though. Oh, best. Listen, he got voted best wrestler last year in the world. You can't tell the man that he's not. He's he's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, going watching this match, we all knew Roman Reigns was going to win, but the near falls were so close that they had me fooled. There were there was a couple times I was sitting there, I was sitting there watching the match. I jumped out of my seat. I was like, this fucker's about to win. When he hit the phenomenal forearm, your God, favorite name. I hate that goddamn name. When he hit it and he like he sat on top and hooked the leg, I thought it was over. Like I, I was just like, how is he gonna like he did? He's not even. I look for little things in wrestling. Like, when I see guys move their hands, like, oh, he's going to kick out. Like, Reigns didn't move, and he just got his foot on the rope. I was like, oh, shit. It was so quick. So subtle. The, like, I mean, everything about this match, except for the weird, like, false finishes, the count out, and then the... Uh, Low blow, which yeah. is a heel thing to do, by the way. Yeah, it was like, those. that was kind of weird. It just got a vehicle to get Shane and Stephanie involved. But the match itself was great. This is this AJ carry Roman Reigns. It, it's just more proof that AJ's the man. It's just he's not going to get the title because they believe in Roman Reigns. But for them to do this again in Extreme Rules, I think is the right decision. I wouldn't mind to see this carry out through a couple of pay-per-views in some way, shape, or form. It's not bad. It's a good platform for AJ Styles. Like, I didn't know how they were going to use him. I thought maybe he just kind of jobbed to Reigns. Uh, he, he proved his worth, and he hung in there, and they, they told a great story. 
They Everyone really knew going into the pay-per-view that there was no way that AJ Styles was walking away with the championship. Either Bullet Club was going to turn on him or Finn debut, whatever it may be, he wasn't walking out with that belt. But during the match, everyone thought he was going to win it. And that's their job. It was very believable. And it, I mean, incredible. It was it just kudos to AJ Styles. I give credit to Roman Reigns for having a good match. And hopefully we get to see the Usos and the Bullet Club guys, you know, Gallows and Anderson in their own tag match. Yeah. Because I kind of want them to have something else to do besides just interfere. I just don't like, like it's time for them to establish themselves as wrestlers. I just don't like their feud. By themselves, if this makes sense. But it's Extreme Rules. They could give them something dope, right? Well, but what I'm saying is, Gallows and Anderson versus the Usos, I said it last week, should be a squash match. I feel like the Usos should be putting them over. They should have really long matches, and they had a match on Raw already. So it's like... I, I just want them to have like a, a no DQ or just uh, a straight hardcore match, false count anywhere, where you just see them beat the hell out of the Usos. I just, I'm just trying to And just out. be nasty. Like, that's their characters, right? They're nasty. They do whatever... Let them be nasty. Give them some weapons. Yeah, I mean, they got to do something. They can't feud with the Usos forever, and the tag team division is going to be opening up. Um, but, yeah, so let's talk about Raw before we get out of here. Um, it was a good Raw. It wasn't a bad Raw. No, Raw is good. Um, I, I felt they perfectly transitioned between what had happened at Payback and stuff going into Extreme Rules. They put four matches into effect. Um, you know, we're getting Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles. The Extreme Rules match, cool. We're getting the New Day versus the VOD Villains, and the VOD Villains are so much better on the main roster than they ever were on NXT. Yeah, I mean... It, How amazing is the singing of the tag team titles? Well, he, Who knew he could sing? Gotch did that. When he first came, he was doing that gimmick. When he first came to NXT, before he was involved with the VOD Villains. Like, when he was by himself, he used to sing. Really? Yeah, so they're, they're rehashing that gimmick. But it all, it all works out. They are a great foil to the New Day. They really are. Um, and their production aspects and their intro and everything, it just looks better on the main stage. Yeah. No, it works. I, I do feel like their entrance still needs something else. Okay. Because it has it, it gets kind of weird when it's silent and the black and white is going. Not pyro or anything. I just don't know what it could be. It'd be a dope WrestleMania entrance, though. Or, like, SummerSlam. Like, if they had, like, actual, like, strong men and, like, trans yeah, like, girls. Like, they could do it right. Like, the yeah. Bob villains have a good gimmick. Like, a full circus tent atmosphere. Like, a bearded lady. Like, yeah. it, it looked dope on the entrance, and uh, I feel bad for the Ascension, who now is the only team getting buried, because they couldn't find any gimmick for the Ascension? That no. is horrible. I mean, I think Connor was the first one eliminated in the U.S. title Battle Royal. Oh, all bad for them. Really um, so we get that, and then Charlotte and Natalia submission match, as we touched on earlier. Uh, we saw Kevin Owens come out, opening segment, right? Yeah, Him, right. Cesaro, have at it. Miz is good on commentary. Uh, Maurice does add something to him. She gives him another element that he desperately needed. Yeah, and now he's believable as a champ. <laughs> you know, what's he's funny? still cowardice. You know, it's believable. Sami Zayn has no claim on this title. Like you just lost clean to Kevin Owens. Yeah, it it's doesn't almost, matter. It's almost a heel thing to do. Oh, they're bringing in snacks in the media room. Oh, right. I'm so happy. Um, but we don't care. He's getting involved in this match. We don't give a shit. The crowd chanted yes when he held up the title. I, I'm all in. Like I just yeah. Every, he, he has beef with one person and one person alone, and that's Kevin Owens. Yeah. Yo, Kevin, you want the IC title? I'm going to beat you to it just because yep. I hate you. And that's the only claim he needs. And he comes in, and, you know, the Haluva kick was dope. And then Maurice pulling uh, Miz out of the ring right before the second one. It's great. And I feel like every week a, the next person is going to get their comeuppance. Next week, Cesaro is going to dominate. And last week, Miz is going to dominate. 
Yep. So it's, it's going to be great, and it's a perfect build. So we go from good to, to stupid. Then we had like the little uh, thing with our truth on the selfie stick, on a real stick with a Blackberry. Yeah. And then saying Babe Ruth shot. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't even know what to uh, say about this anymore. They shouldn't even get air time. Um, I, I don't even want to spend too much time talking about it, but it's just... Tyler, poor Tyler Breeze is all I think about. You talk about it, essentially getting buried. Tyler Breeze has won one match. Go back. And it's on Hulu. Do you have Hulu? No, I don't If have people Hulu. are listening, Hulu, I'll give you my password. Everybody else who's listening, watch Hulu. The Superstars match from last week with Tyler Breeze. And Kalisto? And Kalisto. I watched that. It's dope. Yeah, but... Tyler can still wrestle. Yeah. Well, it's not like he couldn't wrestle. And his gimmick is still dope, if you ask me. They're just giving him no run. Just not getting over. And we'll see. Apollo Crews is on SmackDown tomorrow. We'll see what they give him. Uh, New Day and Big Cass face the Dudleys of all villains, which is completely weird because I was like, are the Dudleys turning face? I was like, yeah, What's for a going second, right? Here? And then it was like, no, put him back with the heel tag. Extremely long tag match for no reason. Uh, Emma beating Becky Lynch, I actually liked because we need to push another woman. And I like to see Emma get her. It's like, Emma's good. Emma's like, evil Emma is great, actually. Way better than nerdy, dorky Emma. Is she like futuristic cop? I don't know what she like is. Like Terminator? But I do like evil Emma winning matches. And uh, we lost the Ambrose Asylum. Mitch got cracked over the oh, head. Oh, poor Mitch. I, again, Mitch. I don't care about this feud. And it made me care about it less when we had a damn plant get involved and called Mitch. I always like inanimate objects. Remember Head? Yeah, well, I see. I liked head because you know, <laughs> sexual in the window, like what did everybody want? Yeah, that's yeah, kid. I like that shit. But, but a plant, eh, again, it just lends no credence to Ambrose's. Yeah, Peach. Okay, take a break for two seconds. Did you watch Camp WWE? Oh, amazing! Holy shit! I don't even know what's amazing. Cause Triple I, H is incredible. Calling Cena a pussy. Like, yo, after every word, he's just like, uh. <laughs> the triple A sound effect after just, everything. Just, uh, just Rick Flair, Rick Flair boning, with the bear. Yes, boning the bear, like repeatedly. Listen, this <laughs> show, like I don't know what to make of this show yet because I'm not gonna say it's hilarious because like I had a, like I, I was more in shock. Yo, I was weird. Like you're just stunned for a second. Yeah, because like, I'm like, yo. okay, so the product on, that we're watching week to week is PG, but this is clearly TVMS. Oh, Mr. McMahon, that shit was so funny at the end. Oh, uh, when he's just spilling his heart to Cena. No, and Cena's carrying. Like, yeah. yo, there's so many things in there that I was like, oh, my God. I can't wait. Lil' R-Truth was funny. Uh, Lil' Rusev. Up. It was ridiculous. The show was ridiculous. Yo, Taker is sneaky funny. Yeah. Lil' Taker, like, he's just, like, mad dry. Yo, that show's a mess. <laughs> anyway, back to, back to Raw. So, get out of here. Uh, we got to cover these media workouts. Yeah, let's, let's hey. just wrap up to the end, right? Yeah, so, well, let's, one thing. A, I'm glad that Rusev's the new number one contender in the U.S. So title. am I. Please take it out of Kalisto because he's terrible on the mic. Right. And Rusev and Lana, I always said, should have kept that title for as long as they could have. But I don't want him to lose. And yes, the main event was very good, but yet very weird because I'm trying to figure out where it's going. In a good way. It was weird in yeah, a good way. Someone I don't know where we're is going. going to be a heel. Someone's going to be a face. I still don't know who that is. It's, just, it's almost too convenient now for Gallows and Anderson to turn on Styles. It's like too convenient. So if they do it, then it's like, damn, I feel like... But then is Roman still going to be a heel? Uh, We don't know what Roman is. Does Roman save Styles? And you try to, like, get the crowd endeared to him because he saved Styles from Gallows and Addison, and then now you got to bring up Finn to feud with either Roman or Styles? Like, I... I feel like they're not going to turn Roman heel, and they're trying to work a double babyface angle and make... The Bullet Club guys, the heels. That's what I thought was going to happen, but it's just it's too predictable. And that's horrible to me. But 
the match pull the trigger. One yeah. of them got to be a heel. The match at Raw was a good match, and it was a good quality match. I liked the the the, the tease of the chair. Mm-hmm. I liked how everything played out. I just was like. Looking into the future, I was like, well, how does this work? And then Roman kind of went heel, like, just destroying uh, AJ at the end and, like, throwing him into the banister and put him through a table. It's like, so is he a heel, like, or is he a face that just snaps? Like, is that his character? I don't know. He just loses his shit? Like, I don't don't understand. We'll have to see what happens. Um, That's that's about it. Um, I don't want to spend too much time. Yeah, we got 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 more work to do. In a contract dispute with the WWE of all people. Ryback's out of here. Yo, they can take the L on Ryback. Yo, Ryback. Where else is he going? TNA. Uh, that's his only option because I mean, he's not going to indies. He should be. I mean, if he was smart, he'd go to New Japan and develop some skill and come back. I was about to say because, eh, but CM yeah. Punk kind of burned all his bridges on the indies. So fuck that guy. But yeah, him having a contract dispute, I was like, what? Like fight on the pre-show? Like what are you? What are you fighting? What are you arguing about? If Titus O'Neil's not fighting. He wants to get money. paid like a winner, son. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so that's our show for this week. Make sure you guys check out all our social media at the corner LSN. On all platforms, I'm at Kel Dansby on everything. And I'm at Andreas Hell. You know where to find me. And until next week, we're out. Peace. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com